Welcome to Talking Jets. My name's Ryan, and my plane has technical difficulties and kicks me off stream on stuff. Uh, all right, boys and girls, we're back and better than ever. No. Yeah. All right, we're flying again. Boys and girls, on your way in, make sure you hit that like button. Every 25 likes we get, we are going to pick a qualifier for our t-shirt giveaway. All the likes on the last stream, unfortunately, don't count because I don't know how many we had. Um, all right. Uh, so... We were going around, we were saying who we wanted for picks 10 and picks 4. Uh, I had said Iquanu and then Burks or Drake. Matt had gone and said, unless Thibodeau's there, he wants Neil or Iquanu. And then just pick your favorite wide receiver, where whether it be Wilson or Burks or London. And Greenbean, you were about to go uh, right as everything went sideways. So Greenbean, yeah. what would you do at 10 and 4? Uh I am not going to uh, switch the way that I've been going. So, like the the defense is stronger up top. I would be I would be uh, slightly disappointed if we decided to go tackle with pick pick number four. In my opinion, uh, best case scenario would still be uh, one of Thibodeau or Hutchinson slides. You grab them, and then at ten, Hamilton's there. If not, I'm grabbing one of the best linebackers. You know, whatever linebacker suits me. It looks more like Nicobe Dean would be their type. Uh, Sala likes them a little bit lighter, and Devin Lloyd's pretty big, uh, at least compared to Dean. So that's the way I would go. In the event uh, they wanted to go offense with one, I think that's fine. Uh, you, maybe you can go wide receiver. But I don't think there's all that much drop-off from the receivers that you're going to grab in the first and the receivers that are going to be there in the second. And the edge rusher is significantly there's a greater drop-off. It's a significant difference between the guys you're going to get up top and that you're likely to get in the second round and beyond. So that's what I'd like to see. It's the same thing applies with the safety. Hamilton to the next guy, there's a significant drop-off. So we got plenty of picks. We can do plenty of damage, get a tackle, get uh, whoever's there, Charles Cross, Petit Friere uh, in the second if you want to go tackle, something along those lines. But uh, Trey McBride, we can do a lot for this offense, but not up top because the strength of the draft is defense. I love it, Green Bean. Absolutely love it. Um, Richie, I want to get your thoughts. What would you like to see done at picks four and ten? Yeah, man. I think it's going to be all about the trenches in the first round. I think we're going to be picking someone defensively in the trenches at four, offensively trenches at number ten. I think it's going to be – um, I'm going to manifest it. Kayvon Thibodeau to the Jets at four. He slides to us, and we get that man. I know it's very unlikely, but like Matt said, somehow he's sliding in all these uh, mock drafts. So if he slides at number four, I think it's It's like Joe Douglas has to bring in that card no matter what. Even though he probably is going to be high in Iquanu as well, I would love him at number four. But if Thibodeau's on the clock, he's the pick. If he's not on the clock, say Hutchinson goes, uh, Thibodeau goes, and Neil goes, I would definitely be all on board with Iquanu for sure. And uh, say hypothetically we do get um, Thibodeau at number four, at number ten, this might be a bold take, but I'll I like taking Tyler Linderbaum at number ten. I like Joe Douglas getting the best interior offensive lineman in the draft, uh, solidify that offensive line for the future, and pair him up with Elijah Vera Tucker, move Connor McGovern to the right guard. Um, but that also has a lot to do with, like you guys said earlier what we do with the wide receiver position in the offseason leading up to the draft because we don't know if we're going to trade for one, if we're going to sign on free agency. So a lot um, impacts that decision for sure. In a perfect world, I like the Jets to trade for a receiver and then do the exact draft I just said. That's my ideal one. I feel like Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, they align on their vision of building this thing through the trenches. And in my opinion, I feel like Joe Douglas is going to use the first-round picks on both people 
at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's exactly what we heard from the the postseason press conference or end of season post yeah postseason press conference. It's weird because not postseason is in playoffs. It's postseason is in. Sorry, your shit's done. Yeah. <laughs> move on to free agency and draft the senior bowl. Exactly. Um, interesting, interesting stuff. So the Kayvon Thibodeau stuff is interesting because I have seen him dropping in some mock drafts, most notably the the Pro Football Focus one that I saw yesterday, um, and. I've had kind of had a hunch that that was going to be the case, but more so because yeah. I thought a quarterback would go at three. Um, whether that be the Texans making that pick or trading out, I just sort of think someone's going to rise up and, and Thibodeau is going to fall. Um, now, if he's falling to four without a quarterback going, I think it's interesting trying to like kind of break it down. Um, did you guys see his Fox interview where he talked about the uh, the Alabama education uh, and does that concern you at all? Okay, so let me give you guys some insight. So he was on, uh, I guess it wasn't The Herd, but he's talking to Joel Klatt on uh, on Fox. And it was just before the national championship game, I think is what it was. And he said something along the lines of like, I chose not to go to Alabama because of the education. I chose to go to Oregon, um, which sounds a little weird because Alabama's ranked 104th in education and Oregon's ranked like 96th. So there's not like a huge difference, but the way he kind of like spun it was, oh, you know, I don't, you know, if I don't care about school, why would I go to Alabama? Cause I'm not getting the education. If I go to Oregon and I don't care about school, at least I'm getting a job with Nike after the fact. So he was setting himself up for a career afterwards, regardless of what happened with football. Um, but the way it came off was really not good. So I think he got some people probably questioning a little bit, maybe, you know, wondering why his stats weren't quite as high as you'd like to see from a, a top four pick. Uh, for this year. So I think there's probably a few things that go into it. Although I would have to imagine once the combine comes around and this guy starts testing, I think, you know, maybe those thoughts would change. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on why Thibodeau may be falling? Yeah, I think if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, Detroit Lions and Houston Texans, I, I want no part of those character concerns that you just listed right. off right there. That's un, undraftable. <laughs> yes. I, I just don't. Yeah. Disgraceful. Touching with the ten foot pole, to be honest with you. Um, no, I, I don't know. That stuff. That stuff doesn't really bother me. Uh, who was the offensive lineman who they showed on camera with the ball? Andrew yeah. Thomas. No, Tunsil. Oh no, that was Tunsil. Tunsil. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he can still play in this. League. He got traded, but the guy can still play. Like, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. Lyle Collins was uh, accused was of murder pretty damn good. on draft day. <laughs> he wound up going. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah he wow. was. Well, not he wasn't accused. There was a murder investigation, and he was a suspect. So <laughs> yeah, he wasn't even drafted. Yeah, and he got to go wherever he wanted. Uh, <laughs> Creamy, what about you? Any thoughts on why Thibodeau may be slipping in the eyes of some? You know, I just want to comment on the Tunsil thing real quick. Remember what it was, Matt? It was like the mask it was with the, the bong mask. in it, the and it, mask. it was to get. Well, when that came out, those things were nobody had really seen those. Those things are mainstream now. Everybody's got one of those, so it's like it looked freakier back then than it does now. I mean, everybody's like, "Oh, he's just smoking a little weed. What's the big deal?" Back then, it looked like he was like a murderer smoking weed. You know, <laughs> totally different thing. Definitely, but a uh, more I think. Yeah, I was like, what is that thing? And I'm a complete drug addict. I lived on the street for drugs, and I didn't even know what that was. I was like, what is that? That's crazy. Uh, so I think uh, the, the the Thibodeau thing, I mean, you might have a point, Ryan. I didn't even see that. 
Um, but people do micro analyze all these little details and stuff. So that could have something to do with it. What I think it is, is the natural tendencies of the off season, which is they get bored. Uh, they get bored talking about the same guy up top. They get bored kind of uh, assuming certain things. And they like to kind of have the drama of the ebbs and flows and the response from everybody. And I think it's more to do with that. And I agree with you. I think if he, if he does perform at the combine, I think athletically he's going to light it up. Um, he's he's really something else athletically, and I think um, people are going to lose their minds and he'll shoot back up to the top. I mean, look what happened with Aiden Hutchinson. It was right after that that uh, game. I forget who he was playing when he when he, when he pointed to the offensive tackle and said like I'm coming at you, and then he ran over him and sacked the quarterback and got three sacks in that game. It was like right then. Everybody freaked out, and he had leaped uh, Thibodeau for you know in that one game. And I think that's really more of what's going on. It's just the ebb and flow and the cyclical dynamics of the offseason. So do you think Thibodeau should be going ahead of Hutchinson, or you think Hutchinson is like first and Thibodeau would be second? Uh, I think it's probably more to do with what you like. You know, I think there are going to be GMs that prefer Thibodeau over Hutchinson, and I think there are guys that are going to do the opposite. Me, personally, I like that that kind of that that raw leadership aspect that Hutchinson brings it's an x factor it's an intangible and i think that Thibodeau might be the more polished of the two but Hutchinson has that that edge to him so it all depends on what you're looking for uh, i think you know it could go either way Richie what about you why do you think uh Thibodeau may be falling i don't know but one thing that i was thinking of when we were talking about all this is like how come the one time the jets draft the quarterback and then the next year's draft class, we're at the top, and there's no quarterbacks. Like, it would be great if there was great quarterbacks in this draft class and quarterback-needy teams ahead of us, so we don't have to worry. Yep. We can still get the top positional players like a Thibodeau will fall to us, guaranteed, for all these players. But that just came in my head. It's a little frustrating that, of course, that's not going the Jets' way. But, hey, um, I can't tell you why Kevon Thibodeau's stock is falling. I did not see that video that you brought up, Ryan. I'll definitely look into that. But like you guys said, I feel like, Going into the draft combine, he's going to go out there and just kill it, and he's just going to all of a sudden people. He's going to remind people of the athleticism and the raw, like like what he has physicality wise. He's just different. He's a different breed off the edge. He screams off the bend is ridiculous. He has every type of you know move that you want in a prototypical edge rusher in today's NFL. Um, so I think the Jets will get really lucky if he falls to four. I don't know if it's likely. It's just really up to what these three teams ahead of us are going to be doing. And I also want to say the character concerns. I really trust in Joe Douglas's mindset and his scout team to really dip, dive deep into it because they really value character. They value passion for the game. They value those type of things. Um, so if there is any character concerns, and maybe that's the reason why he does fall, maybe the Jets pass on him as well uh, if it really is that big of an issue. But I really genuinely don't believe that he's going to get past at least four. He's going top four for sure, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I definitely recommend going over to uh, to YouTube and taking a look at that uh, interview because it was interesting because they they wind up they they show the whole interview with Kayvon and and Joel Klatt and then I don't remember if it was the same video or it was a different video that I was watching but Greg McElroy comes out and just like roasts Kayvon Thibodeau he's just like oh yeah I came from Alabama and I've got you know this degree and that degree and like I'll take you in a Wonderlick test right now you name the place and like it it got heated. Like it was definitely like an aggressive back and forth. Like there was a lot of hey, people. Ryan, we got to do the wonder lick again, dude. Oh, well, they don't oh, do the wonder lick at the combine. They no. stopped it. 
Yeah, yeah. They just, I mean, we could do it. I'm all for it. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So I before failed. the combine, what we'll do is we'll we'll, we'll all <laughs> do a wonder lick, and then we have to write it down on a piece of paper what we got, and we'll show it on stream. And it has to be you know scouts honor. Yeah, I I was uh, I was the lowest, and I thought I I went into that thinking I was the smartest. So you never know. <laughs> our, our, I think our buddy David was the the highest. I, I think so. Thing. Yeah, David <laughs> beat that us. Sounds right. Um, all right, let's see. I just saw where to go. Where to go? Disregard Papa. Thank you so much for the super chat, brother. Um, he said I got to figure out how to like get these things like not gigantic <laughs> in front of our face. I put in help desk tickets. It doesn't work. Uh, disregard Papa. Thank you for Super Chat. Says, thought on Zach Wilson, bust or not? I don't think so. I think he needs, uh, all he needs is a complete offensive line and a couple more weapons than boom, franchise quarterback. Yeah, look, I, I'm not calling the kid a bust after one year. I would say it's definitely disappointing if you had told me what we were going to get out of Zach year one. Um, when we drafted him, I'd be disappointed. But I, you know, overall, the overarching story is from week one to week 18, he got better. And that, that's all I could really hope for. And he had nothing to play with the last week of the season. So, yeah, I agree. You get some offensive line pieces. You get some uh, some weapons, specifically a tight end and number one wide receiver. Then I think you're uh, you're cooking with fire. Matt, your thoughts on Zach? Um, yeah, after 13 games, I don't think you can call him a bust. Um, I also bust. don't think you can go as far as saying that he's definitely a franchise quarterback. But I think... You can say that with a big offseason and the right infrastructure in place, he can take a big leap towards being that in 2022, which is kind of where I'm at. I liked what I saw down the stretch after coming back from injuries. He did a good job of not turning the ball over. I think the touchdown numbers are going to have to come up a little bit. Um, but to me, I just saw a more comfortable player in the second half of the year, and that gives me excitement going into 2022. Richie, what about you? How are you feeling about Zach Wilson? Yeah, I think it's too prematurely. Just like Matt said, I was going to say the same thing. You can't call him a bust or you can't call him a franchise quarterback yet. Um, we don't we don't know a full sample size of Zach Wilson just yet. Uh, the honeymoon phase is over, so now going into year number two, we need to make sure that we surround him with the proper weapons of protection. And the best thing that gets me excited about Zach Wilson and going into year number two is the continuity factor going into the same system, having the same guys around him that he's familiar with, like Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, um, and the continuity factor is something that um, this Jets team has not really done well in terms of having the same guys around you and developing not only the players but a system. And I feel like Michael Floor, he is coming off his rookie season as an offensive play caller, so he's going to develop over the course of this uh, this offseason going into year number two. And I think a lot of Jets fans are excited about the future of Michael Floor because at the end, ever since he went into the booth, he just became so creative with all these trick plays, with all these beautiful bootlegs, and it just opened up this playbook to the point where you're like, wow. If Zach Wilson can click on all cylinders, he could be special. And the cool thing about Zach Wilson as well is if you look back at his uh, BYU trajectory, you know, he didn't start off all great at BYU. He kind of struggled. The program was struggling around him. And then all of a sudden, he just changed that outcome, and he just absolutely took that next step. So hopefully he has that same exact thing with the New York Jets, where in year number one, it was a rebuild period. Year number two, it's kind of trending in the right direction. And I think year number three is where Zach Wilson is going to take flight and prove to be the guy or not. And I feel like that's what Jets fans need to realize. I'm not saying he's not going to do well in year number two. He should improve in every single statistical category in year number two. But um, I definitely feel like he has the tools in order to be a franchise quarterback, especially with what we saw at the end of the last year, protecting the football, the arm talents raw, the athleticism, um, making people miss in the open field, using his legs. He has all the tools that you want 
I think it's all about surrounding him now and making sure that he attacks his offseason at full gas. Greenbean, what about you? How are you feeling about Zach? Yeah, I like him, man. I think uh, anybody calling him a bust, not that that's what Disregard Pop is doing, but anybody calling him a bust is uh, they either didn't like him in the first place or they're looking for argument and stuff like that. I mean, the guy showed clear progress. Uh, undeniable. If if you're denying it, you're simply not watching. To go from 11 picks in the first five games to none over the past five games and, and two in the last six or seven or whatever it was, that's clear progress. And, uh, and I think, um, you know, again, I'll remind everybody, I wasn't necessarily the biggest cheerleader for Zach uh, before the draft and everything. and uh, But I watched him all year just like you guys did, and I think he's good, man. I think he's fine. He's got the arm strength. He's got the mobility. He has elite escapability. We say that all the time. It's true. And like, it's like Salah said in that press conference uh, postseason, he said, look, what we learned about Zach is that his, like, uh, you know, uh, that all that escaping stuff isn't fluky. It's not It's not him lucking out. It's That's part of his skill set. So him getting more comfortable, and like Richie said, it's so important, man. We change our team every single year, at most every two years. It's a completely different cast of characters. Keeping guys around that are young, that are growing together, that they can play together for more than 15 minutes is going to have an incredible impact on the team. And I think Zach is going to be the beneficiary of that, man. And I think, again, he doesn't have to learn the system this year. He just has to... Uh, get better within the system that he took all year to learn and everything. And I think I think we got a good quarterback. His numbers were actually better for the most part than uh, everybody's darling today's uh, Josh Allen. Rightfully so, he looks great. But uh, you know, when you look at their rookie numbers, they're very very similar. And Zach edges them out in quite a few character uh, uh, characteristics and uh, or categories was what I was looking for. And uh, nobody in Buffalo was calling uh, Josh Allen a bust. In his first year, they were just saying he's a rookie, and that's what we should be doing. Uh, Adam well S said. drops in the super chat says, Any Tyreek Hill type prospects in the mid rounds? Adam S, if there was a Tyreek Hill type prospect, they'd be going in the first round. I can tell you that right now. Um, but I don't know. Is there is there anyone that we know of that should be running like close to a 4 to 40 in this draft? I haven't really heard anything receiver wise. Um, I'm, I guess, like speed wise, is it? Garrett Wilson might be the fastest now that Jameson Williams probably isn't testing. I would uh, think. That, yeah, that'd be my best education. Man, I'm so upset about Jameson Williams. Dude, I, I wanted him at 10 so bad. Oh my <laughs> like, gosh. Let, let's do this. Is there any any way you would draft Jameson Williams in the first two rounds at all? Is there any sort of situation where you could see yourself doing it? In the second round. I don't know. We're looking for the future. I don't know. Corey Scary. Davis only has one. You could get out of Corey Davis's contract after next year. I, I mean, would... he's going to be out all in all his rookie season, correct? He'll be out yeah. until probably October. Yeah. Realistic. And yeah. And then there's that whole, you know, he's just getting back to speed. Mm-hmm. And then there's the pitch count. And then there's the whole thing. Exactly. But like, look, when we talk about trading for a wide receiver, what assets are we giving up? Like, let's say. You trade for a wide receiver, so then the need isn't Holy so much. Holy cannoli, mother fucker. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Sorry, Green, you call you interrupt that? your big yeah. dick donation by KM. Yeah. Whoa, hype in the chat. Wow, KF. holy smokes. Is that what color $100 Jeez. donations are? I guess so. <laughs> Holy cannoli. 
Uh, <laughs> KF101 says, we need a defensive captain. Hamilton or Karloftis at 4 and 10. Uh, we could take O-line or trade back if there's any takers. And then tight end at 35. Linebacker, 38. The wide receivers this year uh, would be second rounders last year with something not take a wide receiver in the first round. Thoughts? You guys are fire. KF101. You are fire. You got a massive dong, my friend. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's break this down little by little. Defensive captain, I do think is important. Nicobe Dean is is very high on my list. I think his player accountability on the field is like second to none. I've really enjoyed that um, through the different video clips that I've seen. Um, you mentioned Karloftis and Hamilton specifically. Hamilton, there would have to be very specific things for me to. Um, pull the trigger on Hamilton. I think They're, like some things would have to go wrong. I think for me to, to want to make that move at four, um, as far as Karloftis, I was higher on him to start. That could definitely change as we get closer to the combine. Um, but I'm starting to see him start falling a little bit in mock drafts. I've seen him somewhere around the 10 to 15 range. Uh, and that gives me a little bit of the, the not so great feeling. Uh, but I would say that offensive line, big takers, tight end. Um, let's see if I had to think, how I would go about this. My, my top four picks, not accounting for free agency. It would be interesting to go like Thibodeau or Karloftis. And then, oh God, Becton has really thrown a wrench in this whole fucking thing. <laughs> um, if, I, nah, so fine. If, if, if you think Becton is the truth, there go, Green then Green. I would go fine. Karloftis or Hamilton at four. I would go receiver... Or no, I would go Nakobe Dean or Devin Lloyd at 10. I would go Trey McBride at 35. And I would go John Doxon out of Penn State at 38, the receiver. He's really, really good. I think he's going to be – he might sneak into the first round, so he may not make it there. But, um, again, I, I still want to trade for a receiver. But I, I like what you're saying here. I mean, it definitely – we need some defensive captains. I mean, you think, what, C.J. Mosley is, like, the only defensive captain really right now? I mean, would you put Quinnen or John Franklin Myers in that role? I don't – I mean, they Curtis might. Foley was the captain, and he's a free agent. Yeah, and he's probably not coming back. That would be my guess. Yeah. Um, well, when they sign Marcus Williams, he could be captain. <laughs> I had someone reach out to me today uh, in a DM. I guess he was talking to, like, a Saints fan. And he's just like, oh, yeah, the plan is to to franchise Marcus Williams. I was like, they got like 60 million over the cap. How the hell are they going to franchise tag this guy? Hey, they know. did it a couple years ago. They were $108 million over the cap. They cut no one. How is that possible? I, just, I thought it's like you're not allowed. That's just, I don't understand. Yeah, so they, they reworked it. Yeah, they, they reworked pushed all the money back yeah. later. So like Breeze, yeah. they're probably paying Breeze's dead cap hit for like another five years. Like we're not, That's why Peyton stepped away today. Peyton winds up yeah. stepping away from the game because he knows it's going to be a rebuilding season. He's going to go to Dallas next year or like, I don't know, somewhere else. going to be interesting. Yeah, something like that. Matt, what do you think about the defensive captains, uh, offensive line, the tight ends, the wide receivers? How would you, you know kind Matt of wants Hamilton at four for uh, the captain? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that'd be the move. And then I just can't wait for the, you know, seven and tens for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I can't do this. Um, okay. Well, it's the question. O-line. I think that uh, the misconception with Evan Neal is that while, yes, he is a tackle at Alabama and played both left and right tackle, 
I think I'm drafting him to play right guard for this year. Mm-hmm. And then, because that gives you the insurance with Makai Becton. I still believe yes, in him. I think he is fine. But let's play the game that he's not. Then you could re-sign George Fant, do whatever you got to do with Becton, and now you have Neil and uh, Fant as your tackles. But if Makai is fine, which I think he is, and he's playing at a Pro Bowl level like we saw as a rookie, then after 2022, when George Fant leaves in free agency, then you move Neil back outside. So I don't really look at that as like drafting Makai's replacement necessarily. I look at that as more so just trying to help your overall offense out. Um, and then at, at at 10, so is he saying to trade for a wide receiver or take the wide receiver here? Or no, wait. It sounds like he's taking defense with four and 10 with Hamilton okay. and Karloftis. Well, if Karloftis is dropping and you can get him at 10, then I would be really, I would be happy with that because uh, I'm still comfortable taking him at four. I know that's a hot take for some, but I really like his skill set. Uh, I think he's just a, a powerful guy and would complement Carl Lawson well. But if you could tell me, I don't know, Neil and Carl uh, Loftus, and then you get a wide receiver elsewhere. Okay. You can maybe sell me on that. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point about the whole Neil conversation because I do think that um, that needs to be at the forefront of the conversation. And that's why I've leaned Aquanu or Neil recently. Um, the worst case scenario for Makai Beckton, that's what you have to think. Best case scenario, he's our left tackle for 10 years. Worst case scenario, if he's not the guy, if he winds up having a season somewhere between this year and last year, now you're talking, okay, Fant is at the end of his contract. McGovern's at the end of his contract. You did not draft his replacement or like insurance at number four. Like, what are you going to do? Like that to me is sacrilegious, especially when you have Zach Wilson going into his third year, when you're expecting this to be the playoff push in 2023. So like I, above all else, like I, I said it in my most recent video, even with Thibodeau on the board, I think you you do have to think at least a little bit about taking a Kwanu or Neil if they're there. I mean, it's it's not as cut and dry as I think it would have been maybe four months ago when you thought Becton was coming back and, and you had your, your left tackle. Richie, talk to me. What do you think about the defensive captains and, and how would you handle the first four picks of our draft? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt this defense lacks, you know, captains all across the board. I mean, we're the worst defense in the NFL last year. Um, but at, But at the same time, I think we can get our captain through free agency. Marcus Williams, for example, like Matt said, um, I'm all in on the defense, uh, on the <laughs> offense when it comes to the draft and establishing a culture and a foundation through there. But at the end of the day, like I said, I would love to bid if he falls to four. But like you said, Ryan, I am all on board with the offensive line. It's going to be a really interesting decision for Joe Douglas on who's available because this whole offensive line is not only about next year, but like you said, it's for the years to come. Zach Wilson's future offensive line that's supposed to be here forever. And I always said when Joe Douglas came, became the GM, I always thought after, especially after he kept talking about building the offensive line, he kept bringing that up, bringing that up. And there goes my camera. Um, I can I hear guess, you. I guess he'll talk. Uh-huh. I'll be uh, changing. We, we, we got speak. you. But long story short, I always thought that Joe Douglas was going to take the Dallas Cowboys blueprint of how to build this offensive line. And that's draft an offensive lineman in the first round until it's fixed. And I generally always thought that's what that's exactly what he's going to do. And he's done that in his first two drafts. So I feel like he's going to draft another offensive lineman in the first round this year, whether that's at four or 10. And when it comes to the defensive captains, um, we do lack that leadership guy. I do love CJ Mosley. You got to give him the credit. I mean, this man had the, mo- the second most tackles in Jets history. 
I mean, I feel like people forget that because he was on a terrible defense statistically as a team. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of different ways they can do it. You know, four picks in the top 38 is really tremendous. You can get a linebacker in the second round. That can be the captain for the future. Um, but I really feel like the offense is going to be more for the draft in the top end, um, in my opinion, and then supplement the defense through free agency. Uh, but it's, it's, it's tough, man. It's really tough to see, especially without free agency. It's really tough to really predict what's going to happen in a draft. Greenbean, what about you? How are you feeling about the top part of this draft? It seems like you're oh. you're liking it a little bit more than maybe Richie, Matt, and I are. Yeah, well, look, I pay attention to things that I don't think you guys are paying attention to all of a sudden. I don't know what happened. Uh, when you look at everybody's big boards, when you look at Draft Tech, the Draft Network, all these big boards, eight of the top 10 players are defense. 16 of the top 20 players are defense. So when you talk about picking at pick four, and pick 10 and you're grabbing a guy who's rated 25 because he's the best at that position in the draft. That's what we call a reach. That's called reaching for need. And it's very, very dangerous. In my opinion, you draft, you accept what the draft is giving you. So for example, this is a very strong safety and uh, interior offensive line and tight end class. So you make sure that you get those guys early as you can in the class because it's strong, stronger up top than it is at the bottom. There are good wide receivers in the draft, and I'm not saying that, but the best wide receiver in this draft in last year's draft would probably be the fifth or so wide receiver taken. So when you're you're trying to squeeze square pegs into round holes, Karloftis and or Hamilton up top makes a ton of sense. Uh, Icky up top at number four makes almost zero sense. It's, it's trying to to make him a top four pick. You can get a very similar player to Icky in um, in uh, the second round, even the third round, Darian Kennard, all those guys. You know, the great thing about Neil is that he's 360 pounds. So outside of like Fillele, he's like the best of the top, you know, the biggest guy. Like if you like your big, you know, beefy guys, then Neil's going to be hard to, hard to replicate. But the truth is, man, is that this defense is significant. I mean, I'm sorry, this draft is significantly stronger with defense up top. Going offense at four, while I understand that I'm all about protecting Zach, I'm all about giving him weapons, 100%. But you can wait till the second and get top guys where the guys that are there in the second for the defensive holes that we have are going to be significantly weaker than the guys that we can get up top. At pick four, if, Carl, if, if, if um, Thibodeau and Hutchinson are gone, you take either Karloftis or Hamilton. It's that simple. If the, if dude, all the mocks I've been doing had him go Hutchinson, uh, Thibodeau, Karloftis. If that's the way it falls, you grab you grab Kyle Hamilton and you call that shit a day. And you see the re- the the way the rest of the draft falls. If they take the two linebackers and they're gone or something, you want to go Traylon Burks? Fine. You want to go Tyler Linderbaum? Fine. Ten. It makes a little bit more sense than doing it up at four. Top five picks are rare, dude. Only five teams get them in the whole league. Fucking four teams get top four picks this year. You take a top four player. You don't take a top 20 player at pick four because you're in the mood for offense. And that's the way that I see it, man. I think it's a mistake. See, I'm on a different sort of side of things. Like for me, Aquanu and Neil, the value is the insurance policy on Becton. If Becton had done what he was supposed to do, you know, or I shouldn't even say what he's supposed to do, but if he was supposed to have that, you know, six week injury and we could have seen the rest of him, I would have like, yeah. if you had told That's me concerning. in August that we'd be looking at wide receiver and offensive line, or at least wide oh, receiver no. and tackle, I'd be like, 
go kick rocks. There's no way we're thinking that we took you know, first, second round last year. There's no way that's going to happen. Like I am beyond frustrated with how this is like shaking out. And I don't think you can <sighs> look, there's guards. If you, if you believe in Becton, don't take Neil or, or Equanu hundred percent. If you believe in Becton, then you can take Zion Johnson in the second round or the third round or whatever you want to do. The Jets are going to be able to coach him at the senior bowl. You can get a good look at him. You don't have to take a guard in the top five. Like the only reason I'm saying guard in the top five is because that guard can also play left tackle, which is a valuable position for our young quarterback. And that's a benefit. Versatility is cool. But again, like going from Evan Neal and and Aquanu to Charles Cross and Petit Freer and Kirkland is not that, it's not that huge of a drop-off. You can make the argument that Neal is head and shoulders above the rest. I think um, but uh, when you're talking about the drop-off from the guys that, that we're talking about at four uh, to the guys that we're talking about in the second round, the drop-off is not as significant from the edge rushers, the safeties, and the linebackers to the next batch. That's all I'm saying. You can wait till the second and grab your tackle and then get a top-four player at four. I see, I see what you're saying. Uh, all right. Wild Billy Boy, thank you for the super chat. He says, Michael Thomas, wide receiver at 18, because Matt is afraid of Michael Thomas. Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Braxton Barrios as wide receiver five. James Cameron could make a documentary with that depth. I am not trading for Michael Thomas and drafting a receiver at number 18. Not happening. (laughs) Will not happen. If you want to take Michael Thomas, no problem whatsoever. I'm okay with taking Michael Thomas. I'm okay with Calvin Ridley. I'm okay with Amari Cooper. If you want to go crazy and go after DK, I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, more power to you. I'm all about it. Um, but if we had a trade down and you got Michael Thomas in the trade down with the Saints where you're falling back, I, I don't know how you can't go with a linebacker or, or a cornerback or something along those lines. I think it's a, a bad use of resources if you go with a receiver at 18 as well. Matt, your thoughts on Michael Thomas plus a receiver at 18 if you trade down? That's bananas. Um, well, <laughs> I get the banana emojis going. Yeah, get them going. See, I, don't um, know. I think I turned off the emoji blocker on the, the bot, too, so I think it will <laughs> allow the bananas. Good. I got to get the banana land fucking graphic working. I haven't yeah. done that. Yeah, we need it. Um, See, like, I, I I hate myself for my take on Michael Thomas because, like, three years ago, he was my favorite receiver in the NFL. I loved Michael Thomas, Um, but he scares me because he was only played seven games in two years. And he's approaching 30, like. That that's a really big risk to take that on. Um, and again, if we could like, if there's some guarantee where we can say yes, he's for sure going to go back to the player he was before the injuries, then okay, this is a no-brainer. But I'm just I am not willing to risk that. Um, but if you just want to go with you know the wide receiver at wherever in the first round, Elijah, uh, Davis, Barrios, and then I don't know, pick somebody else. Uh, to be your wide receiver five, then I, I'm I'm honestly good with that. Um, Michael Thomas just scares me. That's all. What about you, Richie? How do you feel about trading for Michael Thomas, and how would you feel about taking a receiver at 18? Yeah, I mean, I understand the hypothetical scenario of trading for Michael Thomas, but you're using the pick that you got for Michael Thomas on a receiver, so that just doesn't yeah. make sense to me. I feel like you're you're uh, you're making a good trade. Say hypothetically, Michael Thomas is healthy and all that. I think you should use that draft pick on another position because that's what you traded back for. You got your receiver. That's supposed to be the number one guy that's proved to be a top receiver in the league when he is healthy. Um, slant boy, whatever you want to call that, man. Um, but uh, I don't know. I feel like a trade back at 10 is very likely. I think a lot of people need to realize 
that Joe Douglas is going to be answering phone calls. And I feel like he kind of wants to get that um, some of that draft capital back for what he traded up to get AVT. Not saying it's guaranteed going to happen, but I can definitely see a trade back from number 10, especially if the Jets get who they want at number four. And I also think there's an opportunity for the Jets to trade up in the draft back into the first round if, if someone slides. Um, Joe Douglas needs to be aggressive, and he's got the ammunition to do so. Um, but this hypothetical just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, you brought up a nice point. The whole trading back into the first is something I really want to consider. There's a ton of drop, like mock drafts right now where Linderbaum's falling or uh, yeah. Kobe if Dean he falls, falling. One Douglas of the receivers. <laughs> you, so – Chat, just so you guys know, we have two second-round picks and a third-round pick. If you were to package both second-round picks, you'd get up to about pick 16, according to the value chart. If you did pick 38, or uh, sorry, 35 and the third, you'd get up to pick like 21. If you did 38 plus pick 69, you'd get up to about pick 24 or so. Um, so that's about roughly where you could kind of think the Jets may be kind of looking to go up. I'd it's be looking like mid-20s. Yeah, if the Jets pick their guys at 4-10 and 10, mm-hmm. and Linderbaum is sliding, and he's sliding, we're going to see the Jets trade for, up for him. Guarantee it. Like, there's no way Joe Douglas is going to let that man slide past him. I don't know. I just feel like he's going to fall over from the draft process, and it's going to be hard for Douglas not to take him. I just have a feeling. Oh, it'd be so nice. Everyone wanted Linderbaum before the season. Now we're seeing, like, I'm not seeing... I, I see some mock drafts where he's going, like, 15 to, like, 25, and then I see others where yeah. he's, like, top seven and i'm like yeah because because it's all it's the whole debate about the center position of the value of that you can't take a center that that early you know what i mean Mm -hmm. even though he's the best uh, you know interior offensive lineman in the draft and he's you know some people are saying that he's the best center to come out in years you know there people get afraid about the whole value of the center so i think that's Mm -hmm. the reason why 100 percent, green bean what about you how are you feeling about michael thomas and possibly trading down from 10 to 18 and either taking a receiver or making another pick yeah, well, I think Matt said it best. It's like it's it feels almost uh it feels wrong to talk about Michael Thomas like ah, I don't want him, but I don't. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, uh the NFL is a uh, is a what have you done for me lately kind of league sad to say. I, I hate that it's like that. I'm a guy who believes in kind of, you know, um redeemable qualities and that's like how I live my life, but it's like dude, the guy has played a handful of games in 2 years. Um, and he's incredibly expensive. Whatever pick we're going to trade for him, um, we we might just get more um, output from the pick, you know, in the draft. And I think uh, it's just it's too dangerous. And I don't think it makes a lot of sense for this young team. And it sucks because two years ago, like Matt said, I mean, Michael Thomas and D Hop were back and forth. My two, in my opinion, the two best wide receivers. In the NFL, they were almost unstoppable, and and I just I hate talking about them like this, but I honest to God don't want them, and unless it's like a, a conditional something, and then you're like, okay, you're taking on the contract for a conditional sixth, you know, something ridiculous right. like that, and then it's like, okay, well, hey, it's worth it, and we have the money, et cetera, et cetera. So, but uh, overall, I just I don't like the idea of bringing in aging veterans, um, unless it's very very particular, very specific. Uh, and Michael Thomas doesn't seem to be that for me, sadly. So Kevin and Edward, I'm going to get to your super chats in just a second. I want to kind of stay on this topic and and kind of talk about the the trading of a receiver for just a second. Um, so Michael Thomas missed game. He missed the entirety of this season, and he missed what all of like I think he played five or six games two years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. The reason for that is he was told he would need to get surgery would have to sit out 
the rest of the Drew Brees' final season, and he wanted to try and win it with Brees. From my understanding, that's what I'm, I'm kind of getting at. And he opted not to get the surgery until June, so the team was pissed off at him because he should have had it at the beginning of the offseason so he would be ready for the beginning of this year. And he didn't do it till June, so he wasn't ready by the time the cutoff date was to get guys back in on your roster off the IR. Um, so I think it's a little, little weird because he's only missed one game prior to that stretch of games over the course of the last year and a half. And his contract isn't that bad. His contracts, I think it's 15.5, 15.7, and maybe 18 the third year and none, no guaranteed money left. So you could cut him at any point if you were to trade him. So it's actually one of the better contracts if you think he's going to be 75% of what he once was. Um, now, that being said, I want to talk about the, the trading of receivers and where you guys would rank certain receivers. And it, it's going to change based on value because like um, like Calvin Ridley, I think for the most part is probably who a lot of us would want skill-wise. It's just a matter of like, you know, the, the mental health concerns and things of that nature. And is he ready to play football? Um, Amari Cooper, the contract's really bad, but the the trade the trade price is probably going to be really reasonable. Um, then there's DK Metcalf, who's incredible, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And if you think Seattle's going to let DK Metcalf go for less than two seconds, a third and a starting safety, like they had to give up for Jamal, yeah. you're out of your damn mind. And there's no way they're trading him to us. Zero yeah. shot. So Matt, I want to hear from you. If you had to rank maybe your top three or four trade target wide receivers, how would you rank them? And I guess what would the stipulations maybe be as you kind of, you know, go through the thought process? Okay. Love it. And unfortunately, it's going to have to be my last one because I have to write the post game. So um, I would probably say hmm, I'm going to say Ridley one. And the reason behind it, I know there there's risk with all of them. So I feel like it's all based on personal preference, preference. But I think from a cost perspective, he might not cost you as much to acquire and he probably has the highest upside i mean the last time we saw him he was a 1300 yard receiver um so i'd probably put him one um two i don't know do i put dk on the list because that's so unrealistic i just don't see him let's say no bad. dk because I, I i'd be thoroughly perplexed if the seahawks wind up trading us dk metcap it, if we could give up 10 and give it hey we took we got number 10 we got you know or, or no, sorry, we, we got AVT, we got DK Metcalf for Jamal Adams. That would be fantastic. Never going to happen. Yeah, sick. Sick. <laughs> so then I probably, I guess I'd go Amari too, um, because I just think this was a down year. He's a, a steady 1,000 guy besides this, yeah. and CD Lamb's target started to go way up. So I'd say Amari probably two, and then three. Mm, we go outside the box and go like DJ Moore. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like so, it. yeah, I think I'm maybe there's go. a little shift. Hey, we'll send you Denzel Mims and something, and you give us DJ <laughs> Moore. All about yeah. it, Matt Rule. Come on, make it happen. Yeah, yeah. give you your second back, and uh, you could take Mims, and we'll take DJ Moore. How about that? That's not too bad. Uh, Matt, do you want to hang around for this discussion, or you need to dip out now? Uh, I probably got to dip out and start getting this thing going because the third period's about to start, and we got to be sure it's ready to go. By the time the game ends, otherwise, it's SOL. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Any last words for our that. panel? 
Uh, yeah. So, I mean, R Richie's on, but spoiler alert, uh, Richie's going to be featured on my channel tomorrow. So look out for that video. We're going to talk about the Jets youth. So, uh, love you guys. I will talk to you all Ooh. next week. Love Later, you. Matt. Take Peace out, Matt. Go Islanders. Yeah. All right. So Richie, I want to get your thoughts on the whole trade target wide receiver yeah, conversation. Sure, um, how would you rank them? If you had to give your top three or top four trade targets. Yeah. So I think the rank is Cooper cup, Debo Samuel, and uh, all those guys go go all up all for the top tier guys Devontae Adams. Um, no, nah, in all seriousness, wouldn't that be great? Um, yeah. I love Cooper Calvin Ridley. I really, really am in love with Calvin <laughs> Ridley. And obviously, we talked about the issue that needs to be you know focused on um, first and foremost before you give up any type of capital for him. Number one, how is his mental? Um, how is he feeling off the field? Does he still have a passion for the game? We still don't know why he was not in the field last year. That's definitely could be a concern. That's something that could come back down the line. It's something you don't really want to commit a lot of uh, capital to. Number one and number two, you probably have to, have to pay him because if you trade for a guy, Calvin Ridley, it's his, this is his contract year. So hypothetically speaking, you'd want to give him the bag and you want him to be the long term answer at the wide receiver spot. So Calvin really number one for me, um, saying that basically he is you know a okay off the field and you know DK Metcalf definitely. You know, I, it's not happening. I made a video on this. I made a video talking about DK. I made a video talking about Ridley and Omari Cooper. Um, it's just a pipe dream at this point. I'd trade the 10th overall pick for DK in a heartbeat. I think that would just be amazing. And um, Amari Cooper, I feel like Amari Cooper is a perfect option, in my opinion, because he's an established veteran that's been on two teams, that's been productive everywhere he's been. And he's still at this part of the point of his career where he's still playing good football. He might not be in his prime, but he'd come here and be in a, a guy that can create separation with ease, a guy that will catch everything thrown to him in his in, in his radius, and he could be a leader a leader on this offense. I feel like Amari Cooper's great, and his uh, cost will not be that high because of the contract that we'll be paying him. It's around, like, what, $20 million, which is pretty nuts? Yeah, three so, years, 20 a year. Yeah, so I feel like when it comes to those three, you know, I really want the Jets to be aggressive. We need to get another big-time receiver uh, this offseason, whether it's trading, whether it's free agency, whether it's a draft, I don't care how we do it, but there has to be a big time weapon added to this receiver room, along with Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and hopefully a re-sign Braxton Berrios. Grimmy, what about you? How would you rank the trade targets that the Jets could target for free uh, for wide receiver? Yeah, I got to be real honest. I'm not the biggest fan of trading for a wide receiver. Um, I just... Uh... I mean, there's going to be a few in free agency. Uh, I'd, I'd rather, honest to God, you know what I'd rather do? Uh, I'd rather uh, retain Berrios and Crowder, draft a guy in the second round, and uh, and just, you know, run it back, man. Like, that's what I'd like to do. Like, let's let these guys kind of keep, in, you know, influxing with youth, keep guys together, uh, let them become a unit and see what's going on here. Trading which asset? Like, if you're going to get any big, anybody – that's worth their salt, like worth bringing in. It's more than likely going to be one of your firsts or a seven. Like when we talk about like Amari Cooper, I love Amari Cooper. I loved him as a draft pick. I loved him on the Raiders. I thought they were dumb to get rid of him. Like, so I, I really like Amari Cooper, but he, he costs $20 million and you're going to give up a first for him. Uh, so that to me, that, that no seems like way. a lot. No way you're giving up a first. There's, they're going to have to well, either restructure him or cut him. They got 2 million in salary cap. No way. Yeah, you, well, you watch what they get. It doesn't matter if you're, a player, you're not going to trade him. What's going to wind up happening is he's going to restructure because Michael Gallup got hurt and he's going to stay in Dallas for like there you 12 go. million a year or whatever. That's fine. That's, That's what's going to happen. <laughs>
The point is, if they traded him to us, what do you think you're getting Amari Cooper for? You think you're going to throw him a fourth and they're going to be like, yeah, great. Take this contract off our hands. I doubt it. He's worth too much. If There's they just said, no way. If, if Amari Cooper says, I'm not renegotiating my deal, a fifth round pick is the best I'm offering for him. And I don't think they'll get it from anyone else. I don't they're think they're not going to, but they're not going to take that either. Jerry Jones will let him well, sit. Just like they, you did with <laughs> then you did, what? then everyone gets a shot at him. How do you guys they feel about anybody. taking a flyer on Allen Robinson and free agency, like a one year? I love Allen Robinson. I think so he's Rich, great. He had a he had a down year, thirty seven catches, right? Uh, we and you know, screwed the, me in the, fantasy. Yeah, I know, right, dude? I can imagine. <laughs> I dread uh, But what he had the he had the injury. He had a whole bunch of different quarterbacks. He had the young Justin Fields. He had the turmoil with Nagy trying to do whatever the hell he was doing this year. Some weird offensive designs for games. Remember what, what was that one? He threw the ball like four times or whatever the hell it was. Um, so a whole bunch of weird stuff. And he has a down year. If you can get Allen Robinson, uh, you know, on a down year, a little bit cheaper than normal, and then maybe give him some incentive laden uh, benefits and things like that. Yeah. I'd love Allen Robinson. I think he's the perfect guy to bring here. He's a, he's a little bit older, of course, but he's not so old that you're concerned. He's not like when we got Art monk or anything like that uh, in his 15th year. Uh, I think Allen Robinson would be great, but just the, the 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 point for me is like I just I would rather sign one in free agency and and draft one rather than trade assets uh, for somebody. I'm a big youth guy. I just I don't know. It's just that's the way I'd rather go. Richie, I love Allen Robinson. I I really I it's not the first route I'd go. Like for me, trading for Ridley or Thomas or Cooper would be preferable over maybe Allen Robinson or, and I would say even drafting a guy like Drake London or Traylon Burks would be preferable over it, but I can see a situation and a very realistic situation where the jets go after Allen Robinson because of his connection with Robert Sala. And you know, the, the cost factor for Douglas, I think is, is right there. Like green bean was saying, I think you're going to get him at a discount. You get him at $13 million a year or something like that. Um, coming off a down year, a little bit older. I think I could definitely see that. And then in, if that's the case, you don't go receiver in the first round. You probably go receiver in the second round, and you're looking at someone like a John Doxson from, from Penn State. And I have no problem going that route either, but I wouldn't want Allen Robinson to be the only um, wide receiver that we we bring in. I just wouldn't devote a first-round pick in addition to Allen Robinson. What, what What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think like you guys said, I feel like if the if the price is right, we can get him for around $13 million for a one-year deal or, hey, maybe even a two-year deal. You got to bring in a veteran. You got to bring in someone that's been here because I understand like, uh, you know, Ryan, I see that you really want to trade for a receiver. And the reason why I do is because I, I just see uh, – I know you're about to say – you're going to say because – I don't want rookie growing pains. It took Elijah Moore eight weeks to get into it. Like it's I want, not, yeah. Trust me, I'm all about team. draft picks. I'm like the biggest guy when it comes to youth. But it gets to a point where like I want to make sure we have established people around this quarterback that he can develop develop with the long term. And if Allen Robinson's that guy, so be it. Like if Allen Robinson was under contract, say going into the season, and he wasn't a free agent and he was going to be available in the trade market, I look into that. But now that he might be an open guy, and hey, I don't really want to trade a lot of people. If we had to trade for a receiver and it's going to cost too much, I'm not all for it. I feel like Joe Douglas understands the value, and we also have a luxury of having so much capital in order to be aggressive when it comes to becoming a, a trade a target. But when it comes to Allen Robinson, if we can get her to a one-year deal on a $13 million contract or, hey, two years, um, 
you got to be able to do it. I really think it's smart. And then you don't have to worry about the, the wide receiver early in the draft. You can draft the receiver in the second or third round. You can use number four on an edge or defensive player. And at 10, another offensive lineman is built to the draft. And um, you got to get another receiver in the draft, though, because Allen Robinson, we're missing that prototypical guy that can be alongside um, that's a veteran. And that's why I want to trade for receiver so much. So if they're not going to go the route of trading receiver, you hold on to your draft picks, you hold on to it. You don't want to trade all your babies that Joe Douglas loves his draft picks, which I really respect. Then you go out there and get a guy on Allen Robinson, but they really have to make sure that they're aggressive. No matter how they bring in a receiver this offseason, whether that's the draft, whether that's free agency or the trade market, you have to draft one or sign one early, 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 because it's a big time, big yeah. time need. Let me say this, Ryan. Um, the thing with uh, the growing pains that you're talking about is last year was very, very particular. We had an offensive line that never played together before. We had first-time coaches, first-time offensive coordinator. We had a rookie quarterback, rookie running back, rookie left guard, rookie uh, wide receiver. When you bring in one right rookie wide receiver to that mix, it's not the same. It's not the same situation. Then you can have a Jamar Chase kind of uh, you know, uh, you know, know, impact. You can have a Justin Jefferson kind of an impact because it, he was the only Justin Jefferson was the rookie. Jamar chase was the rookie as opposed to what we did last year. It's not going to look the same. I totally get it, man. That was as much as I supported it. It was fucking dude. How aggravating was that to watch last <laughs> year? That was, I mean, trying to stay positive during that 17 game, oh fest. you know, it was like, uh, it, it, that was as hard as any season I've ever, I've ever watched. Um, but at the same time, like now we have, I mean, they're not going to be like, you know, what we would call vets yet, but they're not rookies. And there's a huge difference between second year players and first year players. So bringing in a rookie wide receiver to that mix with the rest of the guys who are now the Jets offense, I think would be a little bit less uh, dramatic of a learning curve than we've seen last year. So I would I would think that, yeah, the receivers that were here last year would play better because they've been in the system a year. But I I still think yeah. a rookie is going to go through the same growing pains with the speed of the game and everything like that. I mean, now there's there's going to be a certain deviation. Like you're going to get guys like Jamar Chase that just go off um, and don't, don't need to worry about the speed of the game after taking an entire year off. Um, I don't know. I just – I think a vet is, is solid for that room because I do th – I think Berrios is young. I think – Moore is young. I hope Corey Davis is, is what 27, 28, probably somewhere in that yeah. ballpark. Um, so I guess he's the he's the vet in the room right now. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh Kevin Delaney drops in with a super chat, says Sky Moore runs a four two four, but at five foot ten um wide receiver. So going back to the the Tyreek Hill question, is there a Tyreek Hill type receiver in the draft? Maybe yeah. this person speed well i have no idea. i've never watched this person before so <laughs> got got nothing going me either um all right let's see edward ziff drop edward ziff dropped in with a super chat he says Equanu out of nc state is a beast from what i've seen of him yeah this guy is violent like if you want someone that matches avt's like aggressiveness and like just road graderness it's a Quanu. It's so much fun. Like seriously, go watch this guy's highlight tape and he's planting people fucking six feet deep, like just uh -huh. finishing blocks. And I, I, I just love it. Cause it's one of those things that like, I remember talking about blue it and blue. It'll be on the, the Monday show next week, but he, he was going on about how Becton needs to finish certain blocks and a Quanu that doesn't, that doesn't happen. This guy, this guy's burying people. Uh, Greenbean, you got any thoughts on a Quanu? 
Yeah, but I also want to let our friend know that if you're looking for uh, like um, Tyreek Hill types of guys, look at Wandale Robinson. Ooh, uh, he's yes. 5'10", 185. He's an exciting little fella. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I was just watching him uh, from Kentucky <laughs> uh, uh, recently, and I was like, ooh, okay. Now, I don't know how many of those guys, maybe we go from Joe Douglas drafting everybody over 6'2 to everybody under 5'11. Okay, you want to you do something like that? Just have a bunch of speedy little demons running around the field? Uh, we can try that, maybe yeah. I don't know, but but he's exciting that guy. If you if you're looking for that uh, sort of thing, uh, yeah, I love Aquanu. I think he's I think he's awesome. But I also love some of the other tackles uh, in this draft as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love offensive linemen. Period. I tend to focus on them every draft period. I tend to spend more time on the offensive line than I do anywhere else. And then obviously, I spend a little some warm nights with my tight ends. Uh, of course, but uh, <laughs> uh, me and my wife nestle up with some tight end reading. Um, but yeah, so but, talk about your wife and tight ends and everything like that. Green yeah, green. that's you a good point. Tee yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm sorry, soft serve. Uh, so uh, yeah, but I I really do like them, and and I think look, I want to make it really clear. Like if if Joe Douglas decided like we're still going offense and and we draft Aquanu and Burks in the first, I'm not going to be bent out of shape. Um, you know, this is us talking uh, before the draft and kind of processing our own thoughts and our own feelings and everything like that. And what would we do? But the truth is, is that I like a lot of players in this draft. I tend to lean defense because it's stronger, right? But if if that's what we did, if we got Evan Neal or or Icky or Charles Cross, that was the guy that we liked the best. And then we grab Traylon Burks or Linderbaum. Imagine going Neal and Linderbaum. It's like, well, hello, hell yeah, yeah. okay, let's let's lump them up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'd be happy about that. So there's a lot of players I like, um, and uh, Icky's one of them. Richie, how you feeling about Aquanu? Yeah, I, I'm glad Greenmean brought it up because there's this hypothetical that would drive some Jets fans insane. But can you imagine if Douglas goes out there and gets Aquanu or Neil? And then at 10, we go Linderbaum. He's like, you know what? We are rebuilding this offensive line. I don't care about any position until this offensive line is literally the top five unit in the nfl this is the only way we're going to do it i'm going to take my favorite tackle at four and i'm going to take the best interior offensive lineman in the draft just like i did last year with elijah vera tucker and i'm going to be running the, the i'm just going to run the ball down people's throats to michael carter all game long i'm going to give zach wilson seven seconds to throw and we're just going to be grounding and pounding and punching you in the face in the trenches forever and then hopefully the defensive line can somehow get there without drafting top guys in the draft. But hey, um, no, all jokes aside, I love Aquango. I love his um, ability to be. I feel like he has a lot of physical uh, physicality to his game. He's an elite finisher. He's also versatile. He's someone that can line up all over the offensive line. That's something that a lot of you know things that are really good. But at the same time. Um, it all comes down to who's available and who the Jets fall in love with. I think they're going to do a lot of homework on all these offensive tackles, and they have to realize and have to be prepared at number four. If Thibodeau's available, is he the pick? Because what if they're so, so set on Aquanu? Or what if they're so, so set on Neil and, and Thibodeau falls to them, but they just need to go uh, this route, offensive line? But I, I really want to make sure that they go uh, best player available instead of best uh, need. Um, because if Thibodeau falls to four, I feel like that's a no-brainer for me personally. But um, when it comes to Kwanu, I would not be shocked if he's the pick at number four and uh, number 10. It could be defense or they can double down in offense once again. Um, but there's just so many th- hypotheticals. And when when you guys were talking, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, 
I just want to know who this entire draft class is already. I'm so ready for it. And we got to wait so long. And we're going to be talking about this for months, which is awesome. I'm not complaining about it. But it's just like such a – all the hypotheticals leading up to all this, like it's crazy. And like ask me this question a week from now, and I'm going to be like, no, this guy stinks. This guy's the best. I'm just going to keep doing homework (laughs) and just changing my opinions all over the place. Yeah, it's like – Every week or every day, like I release my mock off season. I'm like, no, I want to go a completely different route. And it's tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like literally every single day, I got a new plan in mind and everything's like whirling around. I don't have one set thing. And I'm sure the Jets are probably feeling somewhat similar. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what's going on from the whole like, you know, senior bowl side of things, the combine, free agency. There's so many variables between now and the draft that it's going to change a zillion times over. And we're here for the ride, people. All you nearly 550 people in the chat, uh, make sure you hit that like button. For every 25 likes we get, we're going to pick a qualifier for our T-shirt giveaway at the end of this stream. If you're watching this after the fact, make sure you leave a comment on this video, and we will pick a qualifier from last week's video. So you get entered into next week's t-shirt giveaway if you comment on this video uh right now our qualifiers are brian leon lucas sourland liberal irishman red dog gohan angered fat gandalf and jets gang Whew. sorry huh. trying to talk and drink beer at the same time is just <laughs> not easy um garcus bloodlust thank you for the super chat says the latest pro football focus mock made a lot of sense considering the entire Joe Douglas regime is tied to the success of Zach Wilson. Doesn't make sense to go all in. Uh, doesn't it make sense to go all in on him? What was the mock? I didn't see it. So the, the mock draft had it going uh, Neil Hutchinson, Hamilton, Equanu, and then Giants take Kayvon Thibodeau. Then I think it was Cross to the Panthers at six. It was uh, Linderbaum, seven. Damn. Traylon Burks to the Falcons at eight. Damn. Nine was Kenny Pickett. And then the Jets took Drake London at 10. Um, I would not be upset with it. That's what's so great about this particular offseason is there's so many different routes that the Jets could, in theory, go. And I'm going to be pretty okay with, like, a lot of them. There's, there's very few that I think I'd be upset with. The whole... For me, going into the draft, I think you have to plug holes in free agency and then you draft the best player available in the draft. That's ideally what you want to have done. Like in a perfect world, the draft comes before free agency like it does in the NBA and, uh, you know, other sports. Like it just it, it doesn't make sense, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I would say that for me, the if if you want to make sure – that you don't make a mistake by passing on Thibodeau if he's there. You need to get an edge rusher in free agency, and you have to feel good that Lawson is coming back from that Achilles injury. Hopefully by the time the draft rolls around, you can see him running around a little bit because that's going to be like nine months uh, at that point. And we saw Cam Akers come back, and he looks pretty explosive um, in about nine months as well. So Not all about the football, though. What was that? Can't hold on to the football, Cam Akers. You can't. Oh, this is crazy. (laughs) Keeps coughing it up. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So for me, I guess if you're you're hedging your bets and you're not 100% sold on Thibodeau or that he's going to be there at four, you got to go edge in free agency. And I think that someone like a Chandler Jones, a Justin Houston, I have no problem taking a veteran edge rusher this year. That's kind of what Curry was supposed to be. If you can get Justin Houston on a year or two, whatever it is, um, you know, maybe someone else. I'm, I'm sure there's some other guys hitting the market, but, uh, 
I would have no problem with that. So you can surround your quarterback because we saw this past weekend that defense almost doesn't matter. <laughs> like you need offense and you need to score points. And I want Thibodeau, but if you're not sold on him, you got to get an edge rusher in free agency. Uh, so Richie, as far as the mock that I uh, that he's talking about, the Pro Football Focus mock. So yeah. some of the weird ones that kind of went a little bit later. Um, Carl Loftus, I think, fell to five, uh, fifteen. I think 16 was um, – actually, do I have my list? I do, don't. Is this the right one? Pick at nine. Uh, I don't know. I think N'Kobe Dean fell to, like, the Cowboys. I think Linderbaum fell one pick later at 25. It was, like it – was, it was interesting to see how far they wow. dropped. Yeah, that's um, crazy. So, I so guess – in, in a sense, Equanu four with Linder or with uh, Thibodeau gone or gone at five. So Linderbaum, you you have uh, Thibodeau and Equanu. They take Equanu, and then at ten they take Drake London with Traylon Burks already off the board. Um, and Linderbaum's and, off the board. I think you said he was went to uh, in the top ten. Traylon Burks went number eight, and Linderbaum as well. No. Linderbaum went seven. Okay. So, yeah, when it comes to that, you know, that, that number four, that's the big decision. Mm -hmm. um, that's the big decision. You know, it's really, really tough to see who they're going to pick. If that is the decision, if Thibodeau falls, is Douglas going to go O-line or not? Um, I love the idea of surrounding Zach Wilson. I really, really do. Uh, a lot of factors goes into it. The one thing I will say is I genuinely really want a blue chip first-round pick for Robert Sala to develop over time. And that's Kayvon Thibodeau. I feel like we need someone. We had Carl Lawson, who's supposed to be the guy for the edge last year. And obviously, he's supposed to be ready to go uh, by training camp. And he's supposed to be the guy. And the thing that scares me of going the veteran route uh, for the edge rusher alongside of Carl Lawson is the injury concern, man. I mean, both the edge rushers that we signed in the offseason didn't play one snap in the regular season. And that really scares me. So the Jets got to get young at the edge rusher position and i really hope that they take one early in this draft i just want everybody at this point <laughs> but uh, and then when it comes to number 10 you know did uh kyle hamilton went already correct he didn't fall he was hamilton three. went three yeah. okay yeah and the drake london i mean you know he's an interesting prospect for me because uh he's obviously that typical six foot five could go up there get the 50 50 ball a lot of people say he doesn't get separation when you look at the tape he kind of does um, and there's a big factor. Are we trading for a receiver? Did we sign Allen Robinson? Are we going into the, the draft without, you know, anybody, you know, in, in free agency with a wide receiver spot? So a lot of factors going to go into it. But with the mindset of surrounding Zach Wilson, and that's Joe Douglas's, you know, I, I love what he said. Considering the entire JD regime is tied to the success of Zach. That makes so much sense because he came to the Jets and watch the organization fail Sam Donald. And yes, you could say Sam Donald failed the Jets as well because we know that he's not doing anything in Carolina. But the truth of the matter is, whether Sam's a good quarterback or not, around him was a mess. No matter who the quarterback was, they would not have thrived in that system. And we understand Joe Douglas saw it first and like literally saw it every single day when he went to work. His first year here as a Jets GM. And he traded Sam and he understood that this is his only opportunity to be a long-term GM in this league is if he hits on the draft pick of Zach Wilson and surrounding him with explosive playmakers and protection. So I would not be shocked if that's his forefront and he trusts Robert Sala's scheme and he trusts 
the, the, the defensive coaching staff to get the best out of guys like Brendan Eccles in the sixth round, guys like Michael Carter, the second in the fifth round. And someone said in the chat, um, I forgot who it was earlier. And they said like, Richie, I agree with you. People forget what this defense looked like in the beginning of the year. And that's pretty crazy. Cause I forgot about that going into the season. This is really crazy. Um, I think all Jets fans heading into week number one, we were expecting the offense to be better than the defense because of the injuries. We lost Carl Lawson. We cut Bless Austin at the time, which we were always shocked about. Brandon Eccles is a starter. We're just so young all over the place, and we're really excited about our young offense. So we, the expectation was the offense will be better out of the gate. Well, it was the opposite. The defense kept us in every single game. They were getting to the quarterback. They held the Patriots. Remember week number two? If Zach Wilson did not have those four interceptions, I feel like that would have been a game that went down to the wire. And the defense was sort of healthy at that time. So at, what I'm trying to say is I feel like Joe Douglas trusts the defensive coaches and the defensive staff to develop young guys later in the draft, like we did with the Eccles, like we did with the Michael Carter II, like they're hopeful with Nazardine and Sherwood. And they want to get the blue chip offensive pieces early to surround Zach to ensure that this guy is going to have every single opportunity to the point where there's no excuses for Zach. To the point where like, listen, you have the craziest weapons of protection around you. You have to be an elite quarterback. Otherwise, you're just not going to be able to survive. Not, I don't want to say elite. You know, I don't want to use that word. But a good quarterback that's a franchise caliber guy. So I, I love the idea of the Joe Douglas regime is tied to the success of Zach because that's definitely true. Uh, for those of you guys wondering, Drake London, six foot five, two hundred and ten pounds. Uh, he had eighty-eight tar or eighty-eight receptions, one thousand eighty-four yards, seven touchdowns. He had nineteen contested catches. That was first in the country. Twenty-two forced missed tackles. That was seventh in the country out of one thousand and six receivers. And he only played in eight games before he broke his ankle. So this this is the kind of receiver you're winding up getting at number ten, according to Pro Football Focus. Greenbean, how do you feel about a Quanu four, Drake London ten? Um, do you think that Joe Douglas's career is tied to the success of Zach Wilson, or do you think he, you know, maybe doesn't go that route with the draft? Um, I don't know if his, if his, uh, career is tied to Zach Wilson. I think it, I think in many respects, you know, he better hit on him. Um, but at the same time, I think it's more about the rest of the team. Like if the rest of the team is, is strong and doing well, like we have a great offensive line, we have a good defensive front, we have strong uh, you know, wide receivers or whatever else. I think if everything else is strong and Zach Wilson ends up faltering, he'll be allowed to pick another quarterback. I don't think it's as cut and dry as everybody likes to make it seem. It's not, you know, like people, I'm reading a lot that the clock is ticking on Joe. But I, I just could not disagree more. Same. I think that when he sat down with mm. with the uh, Johnsons, he, he told them, look, this is the, the reason I'm not taking a four-year contract with you buttholes is because I'm not coming into this shit show. In two years, you get a hair up your ass that I'm not quick enough, and you're going to fire me. I don't want to even come here if that's the case. I need six years to undo your mess and get have time to rebuild it, and that's what we've seen him doing. Uh, there's been a lot of teardown, a lot of moving the guys that we thought were going to be core foundational pieces. We He spent a year and a half moving those guys and uh, and acquiring assets to be able to to rebuild. So I, I think Zach Wilson is important. I don't know if it's, if Zach Wilson ends up being a bust, if Joe Douglas is out, but it depends on what he does elsewhere as well. Clearly we know he's a strong trader. Clearly we know that he's been able to find gems in the later rounds uh, as well. The 2020 draft is struggling. The 2021 draft looks pretty good, 
but that can flip. You know, look, like I say all the time, just because somebody fails their rookie or second year doesn't mean they're going to be a bust. And just because somebody comes out of the gate like a rocket doesn't mean they're going to go on to be Hall of Fame players. It, does, it doesn't always work like that, man. Guys that come out and look great, a year or two later, they're forgotten and gone. That happens all the time. Sheldon Richardson is one of my favorite examples for that. A defensive rookie of the year, now he's a journeyman. And he was a journeyman three years later. You know, we traded him to Seattle for a second. He was there one year. He went to Detroit for one year. He went to Cleveland for two years. I don't even I think he's on the Vikings or something now. Uh, so we don't even know where he is. And we all thought he was going to be a mainstay here for a decade. So and that happens all the time. So I think, uh, you know, about that draft, you know, look, like like me and Richie were kind of saying a few minutes ago, if, if Joe Douglas just decides, hey, man, um, you know, just like Richie said, I feel like we can develop. I like Tony Oden. I, I like my defensive coaches to develop players. I like the what you know the way that they do it, and I have confidence in them to to be able to do that. And I need to just make sure the offense is lethal. And he goes that way. Fine. Do I think he's going to? No. I don't. I don't think that's the way this draft is going to go. I don't think with this strong of a defensive draft. Again, you know. Um, of the four of the top five, or no, wait, what is it? Six of the top uh, 10 players. Oh, no, sorry. Eight of the top 10 players are defense on most big boards, and eight or 16 of the top 20 are, de- are defense. So you, you, you don't ignore that and just go for the position that you want because you want it on your team. You can likely get a strong candidate for that position in the next round, and you take the potential greatness where it is you need studs we need freaks if just if if we have a safety freak and a linebacker freak and a and a and a left tackle freak and a quarterback freak so be it but you need your freaks and i think that you don't ignore where the strength of the draft is just because you want certain positions but uh would i be unhappy no guys before we jump over to any tap super chat i want to make some time for our sponsor of the channel DraftKings. Four teams remaining in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbooks, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with the same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for bigger payouts. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download DraftKings Sportsbooks app now. Use promo code JETSTALK to get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code JETSTALK for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbooks, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Eligibility uh, ugh, words. Sorry. <laughs> Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full details. Must be 21 or older and presently uh physically present in New York. Gambling problem call 18778 Hope NY or text Hope NY. That's 467-369. Woo! All right. Let's get over to Taps Super Chat. Taps any button. Thank you, brother. Says if Thibodeau or Hutchinson is not there at number four, draft O-line, then at number 10, draft wide receiver or trade down, then draft wide receiver or linebacker. 
I believe we need offense first. I'm not using either of our top 10 picks on defense if it's not defensive line. So taps any button. Seems like he's on sort of the same wavelength of the edge rusher at number four, um, but also likes the idea of offensive line. Um, interesting. I, I Look, I agree with you. You're, you're, you're singing, singing to the choir. That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, if I could trade down from 10. I, so let, let, let's take part of your question because I agree with, agree with number four and I think the rest of us are all somewhere in, in some sort-ish of agreement. Um, if we had to trade down from number 10, Richie, what position would it be that you would want to look for given the strength of the draft, where you think some players might be going? Who would you look for trading down from 10? Let's say in one situation you get an edge rusher at four. In one situation you get an offensive lineman at number four. Your thoughts? Yeah, say uh, we get an edge rusher at number four. We're sitting at number 10 and we trade back. Um, Maybe you can trade back and still get one of those top receivers that's available. If you want to double dip and get another, say Linderbaum still available somehow if he's get there because he did not get an offensive line at four. Um, But if you get an offensive lineman, at number four, and you trade back from number 10. Um, I like getting a linebacker. Maybe Nicobe Dean is someone that falls, and Devin Lloyd is someone that falls. Um, I feel like in the mid-first mid, mid first round, I feel like those are the type of players that are most likely in my eyes, uh, the linebackers, uh, maybe some a wide receiver. It really depends on the free agency, obviously, but we all knew that already. Um, there's so many different uh, scenarios, whether what, what we do at four is really going to determine what we do at 10. Uh, especially if we're going to be trading in a scenario. So, um, like I said, edge rusher of four, we trade, at, trade back from 10. I would like to get an offensive player, whether that's a Linderbaum that fell or maybe that's a Drake London that fell or another top receiver like Wilson. And then if we get an offensive lineman at number four, we move back from 10, maybe we get a defensive player like uh, Nicobe Dean or something like that. Greenby, what about you? How are you feeling about the number 10 pick? If you were to trade down and give us two two ideas. If you got edge rusher, uh, how would you address – Oh, let's do yours because yeah. you, you don't really yeah. want the offensive player for you want either Hamilton or an edge rusher. Yeah. So let's say, let's yeah. give two examples. If you get Hamilton, what would you do? If you got uh, an edge rusher, yeah. what would you do? All right. So if, uh, if Tibbs and Hutchinson are gone and let's say the Jags take Evan Neal and we're sitting there, we got Karloftis, we got Hamilton sitting there. I'm taking the one I like the most. And for me, it's Hamilton. Cause I like uh Enig bar just as much as I like Karloftis. Right. So I take Hamilton at four. I'm at 10. We trade back to uh, wherever, let's say, to 20 or something like that. Uh, I would like to see the Jets grab the linebacker. That's what I would like to see. If Nicobe Dean is there, I take him. I like Devin Lloyd. Sala might not. I'm a big fan of a little bit heavier linebackers. I like 250 bangers. He seems to like 225ers. Uh, and I don't really know what that is. I, it's coverage and all that, I, you know, whatever, man. Um, if, so if either one of those guys are there, I'm taking one of them. If now, if they're gone and I'm at pick 20, I got Hamilton and now Karloftis is gone. The linebackers are gone. Then I can think offense. Um, you know, I might take the top receiver on the board. I might take the top offensive tackle on the board. Somebody that can play guard. If Linderbaum is still there, and I'm predicting that he will be, uh, he'll he'll be there in the teens at least. He might make it to 20, and uh, I might grab him there. Uh, something like that. I'd be fine taking anything. If you're in tw- if you're at 20, that's when you're fine. You got your categories, and just you take the highest player on your board, so to speak, at a position of need. The good news is we need a few of them, so I would be fine taking whoever I needed that the highest player I had rated was. 
So you meant yeah. you meant you mentioned Devin Lloyd and, and how Salah may not like him. Is there something that you think sort of triggers that reaction? Or the the only reason I'm asking is uh, Fred Warner from the 49ers is six foot three, two thirty, and it seems like Devin Lloyd sort of fits that like mold of a of a player. Let me check. I believe Devin Lloyd is two fifty. Hold on. Yeah, uh, I know Lloyd just... is definitely six foot three. I, I don't remember the yeah. weight offhand. Hold on, let me see. No, he's smaller than I thought. He's 232. So maybe not, man. I thought he was 250. I had that confused with uh I don't know who because nobody's two fucking fifty. So um yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they like uh maybe they like them both. And the, the cool thing about Devin Lloyd is that Phil Savage figured out how to get him on our senior bowl team. Our senior bowl team is absolutely stocked. Anybody of interest, I would say nine out of every ten players that we might be interested in in the senior bowl is on our team. And I think Phil Savage did a great job working with the Senior Bowl staff that he used to be the boss of, uh, getting us all those players. So Devin Lloyd's on our Senior Bowl team, so maybe they fall in love with him. Uh, that would be fantastic because I happen to like Devin Lloyd a whole bunch. Him and him and Dean are are interchangeable for me as far as how much I think they can impact our team. I'd be fine with either one of them. So yeah, he's two thirty two. For some reason, I thought he, I I had him at two fifty in my brain. So that's why I was saying that. I saw someone in the chat earlier, and I don't know if this is true or if it was just someone spamming. I, I just looked up the Senior Bowl roster, and and Lloyd is on the Jets roster, you know, like like we all knew. But someone said earlier that he's not participating in the Senior Bowl, so I don't I don't know if that's actually true. Oh, is or that not. right? Why I mean, it might be true just because he's a first round pick. Maybe he just goes through practice and he doesn't actually like play in the game. I could see Maybe. that. Um, but I I don't know. Yeah, if that's it's smart, dude. It's yeah, smart, man. If these guys know they're going to be first round picks, it's stupid to play in the Senior Bowl, man. Dumb. You Dude, end up if, getting hurt, you know? If Jalen Smith and Jamison Williams have taught you anything, if you are a top 15 pick, first round pick, don't play in your bowl game. I don't care. Yeah. doesn't matter. Think of yourself. Number one always comes first. Um, Aaron A. Jacobs, brother, thank you so much for the super chat. He says, I feel like they're, uh, I feel like three of the following makes for a perfect free agent haul. Dalton Schultz, Marcus Williams, uh, Lankin Tomlinson, Carlton Davis, Michael Gallup. Love the content. Big offseason coming up. Go Jets. Thank you, Aaron. Um, I think we're all in agreement on Dalton Schultz. Top tight end oh, yeah. on the market. Would oh. love to, to spend some money and get him because you don't want to roll the dice on getting a tight end in the draft. I would love getting a, a secondary tight end. We all want McBride, but there's no guarantee that he's going to be there for us when we make our pick. Um, I like Marcus Williams a lot. I'm torn on what i think douglas thinks of safeties though that's my my big issue is i would love to get him but after how he's handled jamal adams marcus may lamarcus joiner and ashton davis it doesn't seem like he's investing any sort of high assets into that uh type of position tomlinson perfect fit if you want if you think becton is legit go after tomlinson the guard from the 49ers sign him give him a three-year deal or if you want to go after uh james daniels the the guard from the bears He's like 24, 25 years old, Yep, even Love better, you know, fantastic. You, you, you lock up your guard position. The only reason I would say maybe don't do that. Like I would like LDT and then maybe gamble on like the guard tackle combo at the top of the draft. Um, but I like Tomlinson a lot. Carlton Davis, I sort of flip-flop back and forth on, I would love a reason to get JC Jackson. And I don't know if, if Douglas will spend the money on him. Um, Carlton Davis, I, I had us mocked with him just cause he's a little bit cheaper. I have no idea how we handle the cornerback position. I'm, I'm thoroughly perplexed, to be perfectly honest. Michael Gallup, I love, but I just—he's an ACL tear. I'm not—I'm not taking an established receiver with an ACL tear right now. The same reason I wouldn't take 
Godwin. I think Godwin and Gallup both sign one-year contracts with their current teams and hit free agency next year when they can cash in on a bigger deal. Uh, Richie, how you feeling about this list of free agents that Mr. Aaron Jacobs gave us? Hey, man, if we can get three of these guys, sign me yeah. up. Uh-huh. Um, just randomize it. I don't care. And make sure Schultz is in there because we need a tight end, man. Sign Schultz, draft two tight ends, revamp the room, right, Green Bean? Um, That's listen, right. I'm all about I'm all about these guys. I like Marcus Williams. Um, I feel like he's an ascending player in this league. It feel it's he's like been in the league for a while. And you look at his age, he's like what 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and you bring up a good point, Ryan. You don't really know how much Joe Douglas values the safety position. I mean, hell, we had like 11 different safeties out there this year. Like it was crazy. We start off with Joiner in May. And all of a sudden, at the end of the season, we signed guys off the street that actually started balling out, like Elijah Riley. He came out of nowhere, and he was an actual stud. We got Jason Pinnock lining up at safety. Um, we'll see how that project goes. But um, Marcus Williams, definitely high on him. Lankin Tomlinson, I mean, hey, he comes from the same system. He's a young guy. He's a former first-round pick. Sign me up. Throw him the bag. Offensive line should be the, the priority at all times. And Carlton Davis, you know, he's a Super Bowl champion. Maybe he – and he's really young. He's 25. Um, you know, he's not going to cost that much. He knows what it's like to win. So if they want to go out there and bring in a guy that's going to be a starter that's still young with upside, I can see Davis. And then Michael Gallup, you know, we got to take a flyer. Someone coming off injury, I believe. And um, we have to – I wouldn't really be too interested in Gallup, depending on the um, contract for sure. But if we give him like a one-year deal similar to like if he, if he replaces like Keelan Cole, for example, I feel like that would make some, some sense. Greenbean, what about you? How are you feeling about this list of free agents we got here? Yeah, I think that's great. I I liked I liked the idea of a vet cornerback too because um you look at our corner really our our defensive back room. We don't know what the safety position is going to look like, but even the way it stands now, we have all young guys back there. They're they're really a young group and I think Eccles as much as I like him and think he's an asset to the team, I think that we probably could use an upgrade there and have Eccles kind of the first guy off the bench so to speak. Um you know, so taking a vet like a Carlton Davis and sticking him in there, uh, even though I saw that he was fined uh, by the NFL, so maybe that's a car, uh, character concern. I don't know, but uh, you know, so we we take a, a nice vet cornerback and stick him in there with that young group. I think that's the perfect way to use free agency, not to like you know try to go out there and rebuild our team in free agency. It's like nice selected spots. Like you go get a vet wide receiver, fine. You go get a vet cornerback and place him with that group. Great. That's the way I think we should do it. I'm also a big fan of of uh, Dalton Schultz. If Dallas lets him hit free lets him hit free agency, dude, we got to be all over him, man. We got to be sticky. Nobody talks to him without us being right there. Like that's the way it's got to be, in my opinion. We got to come away with that guy if he hits free agency. I'd be uh, upset if we didn't. If somebody like outbids us or some shit by five hundred thousand dollars or something along those lines out that would bother me but i think it'd be great man any combo of those guys i, I love marcus williams i uh, love carlton davis gallup i you know i'm with you ryan that that said i think like him and godwin it's acls we're not talking about achilles we're not talking about uh mcls you know we're talking about acls P- people come back from that stuff all the time these days so i'm not as concerned i might require some incentive laden contract uh specifics though but i'd be happy if we signed gallup and uh let's say we came away uh, with uh, marcus williams uh schultz and carlton davis and then maybe michael gallup i'd be psyched psyched 
That'd be a good one. I think it's a good group, Aaron. I think if Dalton Schultz comes to the Jets, regardless of how any other free agents go, I'm going to be very, very happy. <laughs> That's yeah. like the one totally. crown jewel that I think all Jet fans are kind of on the same page with. It's it's so rare to get us all together out like that. Um, guys, we got about 10 minutes before we do our t-shirt giveaway, so make sure you hit a like on that uh, video. We have a few qualifiers already. We got Brian, Leon, Lucas, Sour, Sourland, uh, Liberal Irishman, Red Dog, Gohan Angered, Fat Gandalf, Jets Gang, Joe Campone, and Big Al. You guys are all qualified for our t-shirt giveaway. We're going to be doing that in about 10 minutes time. Uh, Garcus Bloodlust drops with the Super Chat, says good offensive line amplifies quarterback and receiver, and good receiver amplifies offensive line and quarterback. It's not best player available. It's what works best for that team at that time. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm not going to lie. I, best player available is ideally how you would like to work the draft. But if the best player available is a quarterback and you have your established quarterback, you're, you're, out, you're clearly not going to do that. Um, so there, there is a delicate balance between need and and want. Like hindsight, do we go with Quinn and Williams or do we go with Josh Allen, the, the edge rusher? You know, probably hindsight, we're, we're looking at Josh Allen. But um, I don't know. It's it's interesting nonetheless. But I do agree with you. Good offensive line will give the quarterback more time, which allows the receivers more time to get open. And a good receiver who can get open faster is going to help the quarterback in the offensive line. I don't think we have any uh, argument there. Alex uh, Janice jumps in the super chat says, did we pay John Franklin Myers too much since we still need an edge? John Franklin Myers was signed this year at the beginning of the season, but I don't believe he was signed to be our edge. I believe he was signed to be here long-term and to play next to Quinn and Williams inside. So we still need to bring in an edge uh, opposite Carl Lawson. Richie, your thoughts on John Franklin Myers. Do we pay him too much? No, we did not pay him too much. We gave him the money where we needed to. If we waited till the offseason, he would have been asking for more money. And some people are, you know, saying that John Franklin Myers had a bad season. Look at his numbers. He really didn't. He was a top, um, you know, top 10, top 15 in a lot of different categories. And he played out of position. The good thing about JFM that he is versatile. He can play on the edge. But unfortunately for us, we had so many injuries on the edge. So John Franklin Myers had to play outside. He's more comfortable inside. All we have to do is get an edge rusher, whether it's through free agency or through the draft, kick JFM on the inside next to Quinton Williams or Carl Lawson. That's what the defensive line vision is. This signing was more for the future of this defensive line rather than you know anything else. He was not signed to be an edge rusher, like you said, Ryan. Um, I'm very happy that we signed him at the time, and I'm still happy we signed him now because if he was entering free agency right now, and we that was a big question mark. Picture where where we all where our heads are at right now. We have to re-sign Braxton Berrios. We have to re-sign John Franklin Myers. If John Franklin Myers walks, we got to go out there and sign another defensive lineman. Uh, who's it going to be? You know, it's 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 a stress we don't have to worry about. You know, at this point, we're going to have to start paying our players. And uh, I feel like John Franklin Myers got the contract he deserved. And the best part about John Franklin Myers, he's only 25 years old, and I think the best is yet to come. We have not seen the full potential of JFM just yet, and I think we're going to see that this upcoming year. Iowan Jet fan. Whoop, where'd it go? Hold on. Iowan Jets fan. Thank you so much for the super chat. Says, I think JD will solidify the safety position this year. Adams May weren't his guys. This strong safety class will be his springboard. Greenbean, I know you're high on Hamilton and the safeties in general. How do you think Joe Douglas solidifies the safety position? Yeah, I think uh, I think if uh, if it if the top three go like the top three edges are gone, I think you you guys better brace yourselves because I think Hamilton's coming. I think he's too good. Uh, in in the event he doesn't take Hamilton, 
the good news is that this is a very deep safety class, the deepest since we blew it by not taking Ed Reed in 2002. It is the deepest safety class since 2002, which I know a lot of people in here are too young to remember, but I was watching the damn draft, which was held at Madison Square Garden, and I was fucking wow. yelling Ed Reed's name, and we took Brian Thomas because we were going to get at safety in the second round, and we did that, and we got John McGraw, who I liked as much as anybody else, but it wasn't Ed Reed. He played for the Jets for three years. He had a 10-year career with 10 total picks. Ed Reed had 64. He was the pick, and there were people saying, you can't take a safety in the first round. Blah, 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 blah. The other safety in the first round that year was Roy Williams, another uh, perennial pro bowler. He'll probably be in the Hall of Fame as well. And uh, that's what th that's the way I see Kyle Hamilton. But if we don't take him, there are some really, really good safeties. It's a little bit riskier. Uh, there are guys that you can get that would start right away for you all the way into the fourth round probably. Uh, so uh, it's a good safety class to uh, to double dip, and I think that Joe Douglas just might do that this year. I think it's the reason that he hasn't really uh, taken a tight end or safety in the draft all outside of the first one with Ashton Davis because he knew Jamal Adams was not long for the team, and we didn't yet. I think he did that, but um, I think that Joe Douglas is paying attention to the strengths of the potential classes, and uh, safety and tight end are two very strong strengths, very strong strengths. You like that of this? draft class and i expect to see us take at least one potentially two of each position in this off season i actually have a quick question about the safety position for you guys yeah. there is yeah. a wow and i cannot believe somebody in the chat just stole it from me that's pretty crazy john the, there's a free agent jesse bates that i'm very high on from the cincinnati Bengals. Mm -hmm. 24 years old picked off um ryan Tannehill in divisional round Makes big time plays. I'm curious your thoughts if he could be a potential um, target uh, for the Jets in free agency. Would love him. The Bengals have like 50 million in cap space. I don't think he's leaving. I think he gets tagged. Yeah. You think he's going to be the tag guy? Yeah. Yeah, he's staying. They're going to yeah, try. He, to he's really good. I have no problem. Like, you know, him or Williams would have no problem with either one. I just, I, I think Bates gets tagged. And I think, I don't know. I just have a hard time seeing Douglas going pricey on a free agent safety. Um, Richard Delgado jumps in with the super chat says how to rebuild number one trade for golf. Richard, see Richard, uh, I'll call him Richard. I should just call him Dick Delgado because he does this every, every stream I'm on how, how to rebuild one trade for golf Two trade up for Neil three draft Linderbaum Four give Greg Van Roten and Trent Williams contract, uh, a Trent Williams sized contract, make Mims a number, uh, a number one wide receiver success. Richard, not spending any more mental processing power <laughs> on that comment. Um, all right. Mike Jerome drops in the super chat says the 49ers are where they are with defense. We can get Zach, a free agent Robinson Schultz sheriff. If we can't get Thibodeau, we really need to trade for and grab more picks. Ojibo Johnson, Lloyd Gardner, uh, McDuffie. Um, I don't really want Sheriff. I'm, I'm, I, maybe I'm in the minority here. Um, he's going to command a lot of money. He's getting $18 million right now, right now playing on his franchise tag. I think he's going to look for somewhere in the 13 to, to 15 on a long-term deal. Uh, and he's only played in like, I'd have to look, but I think it's like half the games in the last two years. Um, Schultz and Robinson, I'm totally on board with. If you can swap out Sheriff for like Tomlinson or Daniels or, 
LDT, like, like there's a few other guards I would prefer probably. Um, and then trading down from number four, I, I'm kind of on board with like how green bean and Richie have been saying about the blue chip players. Like if you solidify your offensive line and you know that Becton is the guy, you, you have faith that he's going to be what you think he's going to be long-term. Um, then I think you go Hamilton. I don't think you, I don't think you trade out of four. I do think four is the more valuable pick. And if someone's looking to come up for a quarterback, like specifically Atlanta or Washington looking to leapfrog Carolina. Um, but if they think the quarterbacks aren't going to go till like nine, 10, 11, um, then you might just have to wait. You know, it kind of sucks. It's one of those situations where like the jets drafted Jamal Adams at number six. And then, you know, the, the chiefs were able to trade up to number 10 to get Patrick Mahomes. They give up a first, a third and a next year's first, but that trade wasn't offered to the jets. Like it, like they could have gone up that far to get Mahomes, and we might've been able to go back. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, Richie, how are you feeling about trading number four if we go heavy offense in free agency? Yeah, first of all, I like that he uh, brought up the 49ers because people should watch this NFC Championship closely, guys, because we are the uh, San Francisco Jets in a way. Um, I keep looking at this 49ers team. I'm looking at it closely, the offensive scheme, the defensive scheme. You can still see Robert Sala's blueprints, his fingerprints all over that defense the way they play. You really can, and I love that. Um, if you guys remember – uh, Robert Sala's defense was a big reason why that they were in the Super Bowl in 2019. So I'm actually rooting for the Niners just because of the Jets' uh, connection with them. Um, but they are in the, they are in because of their defense for sure. But their offense and Kyle Shanahan and their running attack is just through the roof. But getting back to the question at hand, um, it really determines if, if there's a quarterback needy team that wants to give up a haul for us, and it really determines of who's available at number four. You know, Hutchinson and Thibodeau and Neal all go in the top three hypothetically, and Hablistin's still there. And all these other guys are still there. Um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see if there is one team that really wants that fourth pick. And knowing Joe Douglas, I feel like he'd love to trade back. Uh, de- really depends on a lot of different factors, obviously. But I am really thinking that this draft is going to be one of those drafts where Joe Douglas is going all over the place, moving up, moving back. We saw him being really aggressive last year by trading up for AVT. I wouldn't be shocked if he wants to move back in this draft to acquire that capital back. Um, because we gave up two third round picks, which was so worth it for Elijah Bear Tucker. So in his mind, he might be like, you know what? I might trade back from four to nine or four to whatever and get some more second, third round picks so we can really uh, compact this draft because he trusts his scouting and his uh, all of his departments in order to develop these guys and pick the right people late in the draft. So I would not be shocked if the Jets are moving down in this draft at least once in the first round. Greenbean, what about you? If they go heavy offense and free agency, how do you feel about trading number four? Yeah, do it. If uh, if uh, if Tibbs and Hutch are gone, and you and somebody look, it's like it's like we said. You know, I was seeing some stuff on Twitter. I got into a conversation today. Somebody was highlighting what the 49ers gave up to trade up to grab to grab Trey Lance, which essentially is three first round picks and a third. Would you take that to slide back six spots? I would. Three first round picks, and you're still at six and ten. I think I if somebody came calling and they wanted to get ahead of the Giants or whoever they think is going to grab a quarterback and they want Matt Corral or maybe they want Hamilton, whatever it is, and somebody goes, Hey man, we're going to give you three first round picks. This one, 2023 and 2024, we're going to give that to you to slide back to 
let's say it's six spots. So we slide back. Well, you can't because that's us. Let's say it's five spots to nine. So we have nine and ten and two additional firsts and an extra third this year. You taking that? I take that. I say hello. Thank you very much. So I would do it. I would love to trade down from four, but do you think the the quarterback class is strong enough to justify someone coming up? Do you think someone does it? I think that the quarterback class is strong enough to say that it's, it compares with the third quarterback back of last year, maybe not Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. And I think the Niners would have loved to get either one of those guys. And I think that they traded up, with a little bit of the hope that the Sam Darnold thing would happen again. Like the, you know, their top guy would slide through like Max did. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they obviously like Trey Lance enough. But I think like you look at they where the Niners traded up to three, they knew two quarterbacks were going to be gone. So is Matt Corral and and uh, and whoever else, are they as good as the third quarterback down as last year? I think that argument could be made, sure. Ooh. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, last super chat here. We got Mike Jerome says, so if Detroit or the Eagles offer two first for number four, you get pick 15 and 19. We're not doing that. So many playmakers. No, Look, if, if you could, if you could give me 15 and 19 for, for number four, yeah, I'm going to do it. It's not going to happen though. I don't think it happens. I'd be very surprised. The Eagles were in dire cap hell last year. I think they're going to use all three of their first round picks. And as much as teams want to like trade back with the thought of, you know the Eagles giving up a bunch of picks. I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. Not in. Not in the first round, at least. Uh, Richie, any thoughts with the Eagles trading their picks? Yeah, if they offer this to us, we move back from four, and we can get picks 10, 15, and nineteen. Hello, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, Greenbean, I'm going to have you go over to last week's uh, talking jet stream. I want you to find five commenters for me. For our t-shirt giveaway, we've reached the end of our stream. I have Brian Leon, Lucas Sourland, Liberal Irishman, Red Dog, Gohan Angered, Fat Gandalf, Jets Gang, Joe Campone, Big Al, and Riley Wilson as our qualifiers. Green Bean's going to get us five more. Love it. Love it. Um, Yeah. Oh, so, guys, story time while Green Bean's looking this up. I – so – I have off in the winter. We got baby coming in June. So my job is to renovate a bathroom. So I, my, myself was breaking tile and like ripping things off walls today. Dude, I'm like all gashed up. I might have to go on the injured reserve right now. Like literally chips flying everywhere. I'm bleeding coming out of the frigging bathroom. <laughs> loved it though. Absolutely loved it. You're getting all the dirty work right there. You got you to close it before and after. Dude, well, so I got... Well, actually, so I do have a before (laughs) and I took a middle. I have to wait for the after because I'm going to be down in Florida for a little bit. Hence the tropical shirt. Your boy's going on vacation for like four days. Uh, There you go. Yeah, fun. (laughs) Where where (laughs) in Florida? uh, I'm going to Sarasota. I'm seeing my parents. Nothing crazy. Uh, It's a nice warm (laughs) weather, though. It's been brutal up here. (sighs) It's going to be like 70 degrees down there, I think, is what I what I saw initially. Be wow. quite nice today wasn't too bad i walked outside in like a t-shirt so it wasn't bad but i might have just yeah. been like sweating from breaking stones <laughs> in my bathroom green bean you got five names for us sure do all right fire away all right we got michael hart h-a-r-t all right we got john hepburn who's in the chat tonight all right we have manny c 
All right. And we got Stud City 718 who is also in the chat tonight. And one more. Oh, I can't count to five, it seems. Richie Malora. <laughs> Rich, yeah, Richie wants a, a Wall Street Wilson shirt. Yeah. We'll get you one, Richie. Let's say uh, Jonathan Richter. Jonathan Richter. Jonathan Richter. Pretty sure he was in the chat as well today. Um, yeah. Richie, have you, I don't think you've ever played odds or evens with us, have you? Or no? I don't think so. All Maybe. right, here we go. All right, so when I count down to three, you're going to throw up some number of fingers on the screen, and the total sum across all three of us is going to be an odd or an even number, and I'm going to cross off names on my list, and we're going to continue this until I have one name remaining. And the final round, the chat gets to pick a number as well. So warm up your fingers. So three, one to five? Whatever you want. Sometimes we get double oh, digits in there. Nice. No feet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. One, two, three. That's seven. Ugh. All right. We're crossing off the odds. Bam, 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 bam. All right. Three, two, one. Four, five, six, seven. Odds again. Crossing off. Oh, no. I love seeing Fat Gandalf's name come up because it makes me smile every time, and I just crossed his name off, and I'm very upset. Um, all right, chat. First number to pop up will be the number that goes uh, with us as well. So, Richie Greenbean, three, two, one. <laughs> what was that? Five, six. And the first number was 23. We got an odd number. All right. So, our winner for tonight's t-shirt giveaway joe campone joe campone reach out to me on gmail facebook instagram something like that let me get your uh shipping information t-shirt size all that i'll send you a shirt really looking forward to it guys this is the end of our stream been a lot of fun we're going to go around our panel for some closing thoughts green bean any last words for our panel uh, yeah, so tonight's the first night we are not doing the after-hours show. That has been moved to Monday nights for the 10 o'clock mocks. I will say that on Wednesday is the first of my Patreon Classic Jets game watch parties. We're doing the Midnight Miracle. If you want to get in on that, that private viewing of the Midnight Miracle, you can sign up to my Patreon on my website, greenbeanjetsfan.com. We're doing stuff every single week. It's going to be awesome. I love it. Richie, any last words for our panel? Yeah, man. Always a pleasure to hop on the stream. I see a lot of people in the chat saying that they, they think I look like a young Sylvester Stallone. Stallone, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you guys see that, but that, that's an interesting interesting comparison there. I think um, he looks like a Mike White, personally. I am Mike White. I am Mike White. I'll never forget that. I witnessed that Mike White game in person. Um, but no, it's always a pleasure to hop on here, talk some Jets with Green Bean, with Ryan, with Matt before he left. Um, interact with all you guys in the chat. It's always a lot of fun. We got a lot of Jets content coming your way all throughout the season here on Jets Talk 24-7, on Green Beans channel, of course, on Matt's channel, and on mine as well. And it's always a pleasure, man. The Jets community is amazing. Um, I really never, you know, take it for granted that I get to wake up every day and do what I love and connect with fellow Jets fans across the planet Earth that we all live on. So it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys, interact, debate, disagree, agree, all the great stuff. I appreciate all the support, guys. And uh, this offseason is going to be great. 
I love it. I love it. Boys and girls, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Make sure you hit that like button on the way out. My name's Ryan. I've been your pilot. This is Jets Talk signing off. J-E-T-S. Jets.